am Thomas with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Featherstone Nutrition. And you can call me Feathers. Yes, a.k.a. Feathers. She beat you to it I this mean, week. I mean, we should just start off the episode with her saying, hi, this is Feathers. <laughs> and from Featherstone Nutrition. Do <laughs> you think the new listeners would know who Feathers was? I mean, they better. They'd figure it out. Yeah. All right, so you are listening to Fuel for the Soul, the podcast where we talk all things nutrition and hydration and how it affects performance. Yeah, especially in the running space. Yep. Although both of you guys are pretty big cyclers. I cycle, and you're getting ready, Megan, for uh, your first half Ironman. Yeah, so dabbling in some swimming, which I don't love. Yeah, at least you're hydrated. (laughs) I guess. Drinking a lot of that pool water. (laughs) (laughs) So before we dive into our listener question, let's talk about our sponsor, Inside Tracker. Thomas, what is Inside Tracker? Funny you should ask. Inside Tracker is an ultra personalized nutrition platform that uses blood work to create one of a kind, science backed action plan to help you reach your potential for better performance and a longer, healthier life. Yeah, so they were founded in 2009, and the Boston company first started working with professional athletes who wanted to see what their biomarkers, hormone, and mineral profiles look like during their training and how they could use nutrition and lifestyle to improve. Get this, they measure over 30, 30 biomarkers and recommend food and supplements to optimize things like your energy, cognition, endurance, heart health, and more. And... The really great news for you all is for a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off their entire store. Boom. Just go to insidetracker.com slash fuel. All right. So today we have a listener question from Mac. Let's go ahead and take a listen. Hi, my name is Mac, and I have a half marathon tune-up race coming up in November and a full in January, and I was wanting to use the half to come up with some fueling strategies for my full. Is it a matter of just doubling my carb intake and doubling my on-race fuel intake, or is there more to it? Also, my full marathon time goal is three hours. Uh, Thank you. So is it just a matter of doubling for the full over the half or are there different strategies for these different distances? The answer is maybe, (laughs) maybe it's the same thing. No, Um, I guess, you know, we can take both approaches to it, but truthfully, I think a lot of people do what Max talking about where they have a half marathon that they're, we're using to practice some of those strategies before our full marathon race. So, you know, I often use this as a test run with a lot of people. So what are we going to eat the night before? What are we going to eat? the morning of how are we going to fuel during so you know looking at it from a very big picture a lot of times we can practice those things in a half and then to max point almost just double it for the full um you know so if we're using it as a practice run with that that's absolutely what we can do if we're going out and trying to pr a half marathon we're probably going to change up our nutrition strategy a little bit more than what we would do for a full marathon just because our intensity is going you know to be a lot higher in that half marathon i mean for me i don't eat like normally like if i'm doing my regular like six mile garbage miles you know during the week and i call them garbage miles they're probably some of my favorites my nice easy runs 
Um, you know, I, I won't necessarily eat before those, but on, I, I practice like pre race breakfast, like on my long runs on Saturday, I'll get up, I'll have my coffee, eat bagel or something and make sure that there's fuel in my system. And that's, I mean, sometimes that's longer than a half marathon, but sometimes it's 10 miles. Absolutely. And I think, you know, what do we want to eat on race day morning is exactly what we want to be practicing on long runs. So to you, to your point, Thomas, like maybe it's the exact same thing. Maybe it's no different. If you wake up and you have a bagel and then, you know, an hour later you head out the door, we can probably do that for a half marathon as well. For a lot of people for a race, we'll actually put a little more time between the pre-run meal and the actual run. Whereas in a practice run, you know, we can push those two a little closer, but sometimes we'll do something more like 90 minutes to two hours as far as fueling before a race, just to give our body that little bit of extra time to process that fuel, to have it in our bloodstream, to really, you know, make sure that it's working for us as soon as we start that run rather than like five miles into a long run. Um, so that could be, you know, a little bit different from a race versus a long run standpoint. And we talked about carb loading, I think two episodes ago and, you know, the three days before, and you have the whole guide that someone can download to really nail that. If you're going into the half marathon, do you need to carb load at all? And is it three days before or how, what does that look like? Glad you asked that Meg, because I have gotten this question constantly and I wish I would have put that into the carb load guide that you guys are all using so wonderfully. Um, what I'm typically having most people do for their half marathons is carb load for one day. So rather than doing like the two and a half to three days, like just having them do it for one day again as practice, and then to kind of increase the stores of, you know, our carbohydrate, those glycogen stores. But this kind of goes back to the fact that all of our sports nutrition recommendations are time-based. So somebody might be running a half marathon in 80 minutes, or somebody might be running it in two and a half hours. So a lot of our recommendations are based on that finish time. Um, so technically if somebody's running for more than 90 minutes, they could benefit from a three day carb load, right? I mean, that's kind of where our glycogen stores tap out is about 90 minutes of performance. So if somebody's running a two and a half hour half marathon, should we be treating that like a two and a half hour marathoner, right? Maybe, you know, and that's where it kind of gets a little bit individualized when it comes to some of these guidelines and the things that, you know, I look at kind of those moving parts are the duration it's going to take somebody to complete their race, regardless of the distance, right? It's going to vary dramatically between people. And then also the effort level. So we've talked on here before that the higher our performance, the more we're demanding out of our body, the faster we're going, the more carbohydrates we're going to torch through, right? So if somebody's running a half marathon and it's taking two and a half hours, and that's a really high effort level for them, you know, their heart rate is through the roof. They probably would benefit from carb loading for, you know, maybe two, two and a half, three days before something, because that would be very comparable from an exertion and a time perspective as somebody who's racing a marathon in two and a half hours. Um, so a lot of it is, you know, a little bit dependent on the person and, and those two kind of variables there, but it's never going to hurt us to add some carbs before a race, right? So if you're willing to carb load for a day or two before a half marathon, before a full, you know, it's going to benefit us. Um, for shorter races, you know, things like 5Ks, 10Ks, I never have people people carb load unless they're doing something really silly with their nutrition and not eating enough carbs. Then I'll be like, hey, let's throw some more in there. Um, but typically, even no matter what time frame we're going for, we don't need to do that for some of those shorter races. 
And how much do we need to worry about hydration before a half or even a 5K or 10K? So if we go into a race dehydrated, that's going to negatively affect us regardless of the distance. So we want to always make sure regardless of what the race distance is that we're going in hydrated. But as far as like taking fluids during, um, I typically don't have people take fluids during a race that's under an hour. So, um, you know, but if it's over that, we might need to take some, but that's going to be very so weather wait, dependent. Give me, uh, give me what that looks like in a half marathon. So you're saying don't take fluid. There's obviously most races have, you know, um, water and Gatorade. Water, yeah. Every, every mile or so you're saying so you don't need to be taking that. If it's less than an hour. So most people, I was thinking more of like a 5K or 10K. Like we don't need to worry about fluid during, but for a half marathon, <laughs> yeah, for a half marathon, most people probably will need some fluid in there. But, you know, from my perspective as a sports dietitian, like I look at it as we all have a buffer that we can afford to lose a certain amount of fluid before it imp impacts our performance. So it's about like two to 3% body weight loss, right? So from my perspective, most of my athletes can probably afford to not take a ton of fluid in a faster half marathon and won't hit that percentage dehydration, right? So a lot of times I won't have people take fluids in a cooler half marathon if they're running it pretty quick. But if we're running it around two hours, obviously we need to take fluid at these stations. And then also to listen to our body, right? Like if we're like, holy crap, I need some fluid, grab grab some fluid off that table, you know? So some of it's going to be personalized, but obviously um, how long we're out there and the weather is just going to be, I mean, I've carried a bottle for half marathons before when it was scorching hot, right? So I think that's a huge dependent too. I mean, I guess that makes sense. If you think about where most people get cramps during a race, it's in the later stages, mile 20, 21, mm -hmm. 22. Mm -hmm. it, they've obviously, even though they're maybe taking water on the course, maybe too late. Might be. Yep. Yeah. Because if we're starting to feel those cramps, we've already, if they're hydration related, right, they could be exertion and other things like that. But, um, you know, we're probably behind the eight ball. We're probably not going to come out of that at that point in the race if it's like 22 miles on. This reminds me, I got to order some nutrition for, for my marathon. Yeah. Um, Megan, I told you briefly, I, I raced this past weekend and I got not full on cramps, but I had the beginnings of the twinging in my legs that I was really worried that it was going to turn into cramps. And when I wrote my recap of the race, I remembered, I don't think I told you, but I completely messed up my nutrition. I like thought I had taken four and I had taken three and I was like, here's my last one. And I pulled it out and there was two. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> so I not only didn't have any like sodium out there, but I also didn't take in enough nutrition. So I think it was probably my own fault. You must've done terrible. <laughs> had the race go. <laughs> it worked out okay, but it was real <laughs> touch and go for miles 23 through 25. Those of you who don't stock Meg, she just ran a blazing 252 out at the Indianapolis Marathon this weekend. So um, she crushed it. So I have to believe you must have carb loaded pretty darn well if you did okay with not as many gels as we had planned. Yeah, I would come her. home and she'd just have like a loaf of bread and a stick of butter and just be going at it. <laughs> phenomenal. Phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I the only thing that I wish had happened, I wish you guys had been able to do this together because you had a good performance at Wine Glass. Megan kind of not, not, a, it wasn't a bad performance, but it wasn't what you wanted. 
Um, it would have been fun if the 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 two Megs could have we'll do, the marathon together. We'll do the next one. We'll get it right. Yeah. I got to get a little faster, though. She's got a few minutes on me. <laughs> you guys, man. All you have to do is sabotage her nutrition, and she'll slow down a little bit. <laughs> Smack the salt tabs out of her we're hand. Talking, we're talking about four <laughs> minutes between you, right? Not even. Yeah, is it? Two, three, four, five. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Not yeah, much. a little over yeah, you, four minutes. You, yeah. you can step it up. <laughs> yeah, I better, man. Challenge. Gauntlet thrown. <laughs> we should touch on fueling for a half because, I don't know, I never thought about fueling for a half marathon because you can get through it without, and you do slow down a little bit at the end. I think probably right around 10 miles is when all my half marathons would start to slow. And I didn't put two and two together that maybe some fueling would balance that out. Why did you hate fueling during marathons? And, and you, I mean, you used, you've never been until now, you've never been good about consistently getting calories down. You, it was almost like you didn't want to take calories in for some reason. I, first of all, I, the options, Martin is relatively new. And before this, I just couldn't get down any of the, like the texture of the goose really grossed me out. And so the options itself were used to do the blocks, the cliff blocks. Yeah. So I tried to do the blocks, but those were hard to chew and I just didn't really like them. And so I think I was just trying every angle to not have to take in nutrition. And you are absolutely not alone in that. I think there are probably the majority of people, at least in the beginning, did not fuel appropriately in a half marathon and marathon. I mean, I think I took one gel in my first marathon and I was already a dietitian. I mean, I knew better than that. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's, there is a lot of things out there that people think like, Oh, I don't need to fuel. I'm tough enough. You know, we've talked about that before, but I think from a half perspective, a lot of people don't think that they should fuel a half because there's that, you know, old wives tale out there. Like you don't need fuel unless you're running more than 90 minutes. And a lot of people are right around there or just over that for their half or a little bit under. So they're like, oh, I don't need fuel when I'm out there. But, you know, if you really start to look at the sports nutrition research and some of the more recent recommendations, it's like, okay, we don't quote unquote need it, but is it a performance enhancer if we take some fast acting carbohydrates that our body can grab on quick for an energy fuel source? And the answer is yes, we are going to perform better in a half marathon, regardless of our finish time, if we're taking some fuel during it. Now, the one thing that I always work with my athletes on is remembering a half marathon. If we're racing it, our intensity is much, much higher come at the end, right? Like our heart rate is through the roof. We don't digest fuel very well when we start to increase that perceived exertion, when our heart rate starts to increase. Like I never have anybody fuel like threshold workouts or like mile repeats, right? Like the fuel is just going to sit like a brick in our stomach. It's just not going to empty well because all the blood's going to our muscles, not our GI tract. So if we take that thought process and we put it with a half marathon, a lot of times what I'll have people do is fuel the first hour and then just get it to the finish, right? So we take maybe a gel at 30 and 60. Maybe we even take a, like a caffeinated gel at 30 and then a regular at 60. And then whether we're running 10 more minutes, 20 more minutes, 30, 40 more minutes, we just gut it right to the end. We're working a lot harder. We're probably not going to be able to take fuel in that second half. So that's one strategy that would be a little bit different between a half marathon and a marathon. Back to, you know, Max's question is we would obviously want to keep very, very consistent fueling every 30 minutes throughout the marathon. Whereas in a half, maybe we would just fuel the first hour like we would our marathon. So you see, when you buy nutrition, it usually has a recommendation on the package. 
for how often you should take it. Is that based on a certain size, a certain weight, how long you're out there? Like how, how are they determining that? And you just said it like 30 to 40 minutes. Like how do you determine that for someone? What is the right uh, amount that's going to keep you from getting nauseous and, you know, optimizing your, your carb intake? So it's a super generic recommendation, right? Like you can get by if you, you know, take the recommendation on the package. But a lot of times there is more to it than that, you know, to your point, Thomas, depending on the size, the intensity, the duration that we're out there, all three of those things are going to change how often or how much fuel someone should be taking. Like, for example, I don't know if anybody follows Tommy Rives, but he did the New York City Marathon this year in nine hours and 15 minutes or something like that. And there's Two pictures of him eating. <laughs> yeah, there's pictures of him eating pizza out there, yeah. right? Like if you're finishing a marathon in nine hours, you need some pizza, you need some protein, you need some real food, right? So kind of extrapolating that out to like the ultra running where they have chips and M&Ms and stuff like that on the tables because you're out there so much longer. But when he ran New York the first time, which was just over two hours or whatever he ran it in, I'm sure he was taking gels, not eating pizza, you know? So a lot of it is going to depend on you know, the effort level of that person and how long you're out there. And the longer we're out there, the more likely we need some things other than just gels to help fuel us. So is there, have you noticed in, in the marathon distance, is there, you know, a certain time frame that people should consider more than just gels? That's a good question. So I'm trying to think if I've had a marathon runner that I've had take other fuel. I don't think I have truthfully. Um, I've had a lot of ultra runners or like trail marathoners that I'll have take a lot. One thing that's really popular is like a tortilla and you put like a little bit of nut butter or something and roll it up. Cause that's really easy to hold on to. It's not going to like break apart like bread. Those Hawaiian rolls are a lot softer and they're not as dry when people eat them. Energy bites, cliff bars, things like that. I'll have people try that are out there for a little bit longer. But as far as actually a road marathon goes, I don't think I've ever recommended anything, but the gels, um, but you know, that's kind of the end of like a longer marathon. But then some of my runners that are super, super speedy, they're going to take a gel every 5k, which for them might actually be three gels an hour, you know? Um, so, you know, it kind of goes both ways. I find it interesting that most of our nutrition guidelines are based on weight, but then when we're talking about performance, it's more on time. Um, so like Thomas and I, if we're running the exact same, marathon time, we're going to take in, even though we're different weights, we're going to take in the same amount of gels. So, I mean, technically yes, but you know, cause what, when we look at endurance performance, nutrition recommendations, it is, it's grams of carbs per hour is typically, but there's a range. Like if you look at it, if you look at the textbook, it's like 30 grams to 90 grams. So would a bigger runner need a higher grams per hour? Probably. But then at the same time, faster runners need more carbs per hour. And sometimes our faster runners are our smaller runners. So a smaller runner and a bigger runner running slowly, they might need the same, you know? So, and that's why I kind of love what I do. There's different factors that we have to take into account, like speed and size. And those are the two things that kind of come together with how much carbs you need per hour. Yeah. When, when Megan asked that question, she said, <laughs> if Thomas and I were running the same, so it's me running the 252 there, but weighing a little bit more. I like that. Yeah, you would need a few more jobs then, Thomas, to keep up with her. <laughs> I've always been curious about this. Um, this is kind of a little tangent, but related. So supplements, like the guidelines for how, what you should take, the amount is the same for everyone. But 
like I just pointed out, Thomas and I are different sizes, but we are supposed to take the same amount of supplements. How does that work? Can I can I take a guess at this one? Because they put yeah. so much crap in there that it's more than you would ever need. Like when you look more at more than everyone needs. <laughs> you like it's like a thousand percent of your vitamin C. It's a you know like if you look at like some of the concoctions, we're getting. I, I, they know we're pissing half of it out, so it's an overdose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those B vitamins that make your pee highlighter yellow, yeah, that just meant you didn't need them all. Um, but you know, I mean, that's a good, a good thing, right? Like if you're back from my clinical days, if you're in the hospital and you need like a prescribed dose of something, they're going to dose it based on your weight, right? Both from a vitamin perspective and a medication perspective. But you're right, like for general public, you know, and I tell you guys, like, hey, you might need an omega three supplement. We all got on there and we bought our omega-3 supplement on on air one time um, and we all bought the same one, right? They're all taking the exact same dose. So I think um, most of us probably don't weigh dramatically different that it would make a huge difference. But um, yeah, it is, it is interesting. All right, guys, jumping in here to remind you about our sponsor, Inside Tracker. So if you're listening before, you know already, they measure over 30 biomarkers and recommend food, supplements to optimize things like energy, cognition, endurance, heart health, and more. And for a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash fuel. Do it. I'm going to derail this whole thing here because I want to talk about something I want to talk about. So my performance is going fine and I like the way that I'm running and how I feel during my runs, eating and doing the stuff that we talk about. Now, I kind of loosely do it because I'm not a detail. I'm not a, um, like someone who measures everything or, you know, make sure that it, I kind of rely on Megan doing your recipes for dinner, but portions, I just eat whatever I'm hungry for. You know, if I want a, a second helping, I have a second helping, especially if it's something tasty like the fajita. But um, anyway, um, all that to say, performance is good. Diet feels good. If anything, I'm hungrier more often than ever. But like body composition wise, again, I'm going to go back to that. Like I would like to lose weight for more cosmetic than for um, performance. And so I'm trying to do that balance where I feel good running right now based on the nutrition that we're doing and carb loading and all that stuff. But I am afraid that I, and I, Megan says, have you gotten on a scale? I said, no. So I don't know if I'm gaining weight or not, but you know, I just want, I want to have a, a leaner build. So can I have that? We'll have that also serve it to you on a silver platter. No. So I think, so the way we feel isn't always reality, right? And it's really hard to distinguish between how we're feeling and what's the truth from a body composition spec perspective. And you're not alone in this. Like I work with a ton of people that have this exact same conversation with me because from my experience, not from research, but from working with all of you guys, when we're training really hard, we're kind of just hanging on to extra fluid to repair muscles. Like we never feel like our leanest 
best self when we're training and running all the miles. Like we're, we're in a constant state of recovery, right? Which floods our muscles with extra fluid to help with this. Now that it's cooling down, I don't hear it quite as much as like in the heat of the summer where everyone just feels kind of swollen. So I, I say all of that because I think the way you're feeling when you're training really, really hard and the reality of maybe what our body composition is sometimes don't go hand in hand. And not that I'm recommending that we get body composition testing on you, right? Like, I don't think we need to necessarily go there, but I think like, that's one thing. And then the other thing is, I mean, you're pretty much, I mean, this is your third marathon this year, right? Or fourth mm. York wine glass. I, I Oh, I, I forgot. One? I forgot I did York. Uh, yeah, it'll be my third. <laughs> this will be your third. So, I mean, you're kind of chasing marathon to marathon to marathon. So you don't really have downtime and downtime is where we work on body composition changes, right? Like not in like the throes of 20 mile runs. Like that's where it gets a little bit dicey and a little bit dangerous from a injury perspective. So I mm. think, you know, we haven't had like that pause, like consistent downtime where we could play and see like, Hey, is there some wiggle room to change some things here? Or are we, well, the wiggle room on? is right where my flip belt would sit. So it's like right <laughs> yes. on the sides here. It's like my rib cage is skinny. I feel like my stomach is flat enough, but then there's like butterfly wings coming out the side right above the shorts. <laughs> we can't spot reduce, right? So each of us has a place on our body that maybe we're not the most happy with, or maybe like if we were chiseling ourselves in stone, we would not have put that there. But I mean, that's just our body composition. We're all going to have things we're not happy with, right? So I think that's why, you know, we do the best we can. And to your earlier point, you're listening to your body and if you eat a serving of the fajita skillet and you're still hungry, you eat some more. Like that's imperative to taking care of our bodies long-term is listening to some of those types of things. Yeah. Like if you're intuitively over-restricting, like it's not going to end well. You're not going to be a happy person if you end up injured, you know? So I think it's well, like that Megan balance. Megan won't be happy because I'll <laughs> be whining and crying and moping around the house. Um, it was, it, But it's just interesting because I do feel like I did a 20-mile training run last week. And while it wasn't as maybe fast as I would have liked it to have been, I felt great the whole time. Everything felt good. And recovery-wise, uh, I feel like the body turned around pretty quickly. So I know the nutrition is working that we do. It's just, you know, when you have that moment of vanity and you stroll past the mirror, you're like, wait a second, that should be a little tighter. <laughs> Well, and I, we're laughing right now, but you're bringing up something that I, I hear from a lot of my clients. Like you're, like, we're, we're laughing, right? But I mean, I think that what you're saying right now, a lot of people feel that way. So I think it's good to get it out on the table, right? Just because we have a focus on performance and we know that's where our focus should be doesn't mean we have these thoughts sometimes, right? And it's just thinking back to what's the angle, you know, what are we trying to accomplish here? What will keep us healthy and happy long-term? Um and happy on the daily, right? You know, when we eat enough, we're much happier in life and yeah. people want to be around other happy people, not grumpy people. So that is the truth. So it sounds like you, and we've talked about this several times on the podcast, but you can't do both. You can't shoot for your A goal in the marathon or whatever you're training for and lose weight. Or sacrifice the calorie intake for performance. Is that what? Right. Mm -hmm. Because it takes a conscious undercutting of energy to lose weight, to change body composition, right? So if we're intentionally under fueling, are we getting the most out of our performance? 
Do you feel that there's like a set place for most people? Like, I feel like no matter what I do, this is what I look like. And I'm nodding a lot over here because I remember when we first started working together, Thomas, and we had that same conversation. I'm like, Thomas, I think you're where your body wants to be. You know, like you're doing all the right things. I don't think we have any other areas to cut from. And this is probably where your body wants to be, to be its healthiest runner. And, you know, I don't know, Megan, you don't have any insecurities. Of course I do. But you're like cool with it. I mean, I, I already know the answers. They're going to be what we're talking about right now. I could be like, well, I want to be rail thin like Emma Coburn. I don't know. Maybe I could look like Emma Coburn and I'm not trying hard enough. I, I disagree with that. I I do. I mean, I think to your 252 from this past weekend, I mean, clearly your body is very happy with you and performing with a, what was that? Four minute PR. Um, you know, so clearly you're doing the right things. Um, and I think, you know, we've said it before, knock on wood, you're injury free and you have been for a very, very, very long time. So you're obviously fueling your body with what it needs to be. That's a good question. So since you've been working on the nutrition stuff, have you changed anything else about your training or anything else? Or have you followed the same training and the only tweak is your nutrition? Well, we started biking and swimming. Yeah, that definitely gets you four minutes off your marathon. No, I think that almost <laughs> derailed my marathon, actually. I think I overdid it that one weekend and woke up feeling really terrible. Frustrating, derailing. No, I mean, I got something for that because I did. I Same thing. I was like, oh, my body's not ready to run, but I'm going to bike a lot. So I biked like 52 miles. I pissed off my hip and my IT band. And I was like, what? I'm fit. I can do this. Not the same. Biking is not the same as running, right? So I kind of did the exact same thing. So we're in the same boat here. <laughs> you got it. I do get it. All right. You can switch gears back now that I've been my insecure self and uh, brought that up probably for the fourth or fifth time on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You're allowed to bring it up. Other people are thinking it. It's not just you. I think it's, yeah. you know, important. We do. We talk so much about performance on this podcast that I, I don't want people to think that those other thoughts aren't valid because they are valid. There are thoughts. All right. Um, we should touch on because this episode is coming out right before Thanksgiving. Mm. Thomas will be in taper. Oh, yeah. I forgot. I'm probably not going to be able to drink this Thanksgiving. Not this lady. Mm. Don't do that to Hand me. Hand them to me. You picked it. Um, Wait, when's your marathon, Thomas? It's the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Okay. I could, I could technically have... I feel like I could recover in, in, in between. No. Maybe two cocktails Wednesday night and then call it quits. That's your dietitian's recommendation. Wednesday? Okay. Thanksgiving's on Wednesday this year, Meg. Well, <laughs> the good news for you is you can carb load pretty easily on Thursday yes. with all of the Thanksgiving goodies. That's true. Ooh, is there a Featherston dinner uh, menu for Thanksgiving? Usually my mom does most of the cooking, so I told her I'd help this year, but yeah. I want like a stuffing recipe. I want like- We need like Featherstone approved, yeah, like this, every this side dish. And, and the gravy. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll Instagram that. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like it hasn't been featherized. Like it's legit Thanksgiving, you know, it's not okay. like we're holding back on the butter here or anything, you know, and that's, I, I guess like probably- my my message to all my clients is like 
Thanksgiving should be Thanksgiving. If you want to try to make something a little bit healthier because you're curious about it, go ahead. But at the same time, we're going to be more satisfied if we just eat what we love and move on. If somebody shows up with a diet dish for Thanksgiving, you're like, come on, man, get out of here. Go put that plate over, over there. And nobody takes it. They're the only person eating it. They're like, oh, it's delicious. You guys should try it. And everybody's like, "Mm, just have the regular. You can bring any of my recipes to Thanksgiving. Let's see if anybody notices that they're slightly better for you. No, Uh, but I think too, I always tell people like, don't go hungry. Like eat all your meals like normal on on Thanksgiving. You know, if you're getting up and doing like a turkey trot or something, go home and have breakfast because most of us don't eat till later. You know, don't save yourself for Thanksgiving dinner because then you're just going to be so hungry. You're going to eat so much. Then you're going to feel too full. Like try to keep things pretty similar. Have your meals, have your snacks, enjoy whatever the heck you want to enjoy at Thanksgiving. And then we move on. Right. You know, I think sometimes we make too much of, Oh, like we we get ourselves too anxious over the different foods and the different things that are going to be there. And if we just kind of normalize it and just enjoy what we like and move on and eat leftovers, if we want them, don't, if you don't, you know, that's where mentally we're going to come out of this. Totally fine. With having a marathon two days after it, is there anything I need to watch out for or be be cautious of? I mean, you know, my gig with carb loading is we need mostly carbs. So I mean, making sure like grab a roll, grab some stuffing, you know, grab mashed potatoes, but like be careful about like how much butter and gravy and all the fat you're adding to it because. If you're consciously like, oh, I need to carb load and you're eating like two massive plates, you're probably getting way more fat than you normally would. And you're probably going to feel kind of sluggish the next day. And not that that'll necessarily impact performance the following day, but mentally, if you don't feel that good the day before your marathon, like that's going to screw with you, you know? So I think that would be my biggest caution is just make sure you're choosing foods that like are getting the job done from a carb load perspective, but not that you're going to feel like crummy the next day and then like questioning whether you can run a marathon the following day. I think I'm going to need to download the carb load guy for. I don't think I put Thanksgiving foods on there. I'm going to have to like edit it for you. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty easy. Thanksgiving, we've got the potatoes, we got the stuffing. Yeah, but if I could have the potatoes the way I like them, it'd be a lot of butter and gravy cream. on top. There's the, you mix in the cream with it. You get like, you, I like a really rich mashed, mashed potato. potato. Do you put like the block of like cream cheese in it like my grandma used to? Oh, that's a. Oh, great my grandma idea. used to do that too. Is that something? I've never, I've never tried. You've, that. you've had that. Oh, yeah, I have. Yeah, it's good. Do you? So you guys eat the typical, uh, quote, typical Thanksgiving dinner at the Featherston home. We do. We usually have two types of stuffing, and one of them is my favorite, and it's got like uh, actually the rice, the um, butternut squash and kale and cherry rice dish on my website is kind of a little bit of a riff off the. Uh, stuffing that my mom makes, but it's like focaccia bread with all that kind of stuff in it. And it does have like some sausage too. It's to die for. It's a lot more cheese in it than is in my recipe as well. But um, yeah, that's probably my favorite thing at Thanksgiving. I do think, Megan, you need to have some sort of Thanksgiving recipe added to your website. We need something. It can be pumpkin pie, anything, but you got to give us something. I saw at Aldi, you were picking up pumpkin uh, cans for Less than you could get other places. <laughs> yeah, it was like ninety cents or something for a can of pumpkin. I was like, Holy versus crap. two dollars at that. Wait, what were you making with pumpkin? It was just buying a couple cans, but you know, now you've got the wheels turning. I better get a recipe out. All right, let's wrap up this lovely episode by going back to Max' original question, real quick, and just recapping his. So he's going to 
do a half marathon and his build up to his full marathon, what are the things he should and can practice nutrition wise before his big day? Yep. Let's take it back to dinner the night before the race. So let's practice what we're going to eat. It should be a lot more carbs than normal, like double the carbs, pasta, rice, bread, that kind of stuff. Um, so practice that. And that's what we'll repeat again for the full marathon. And then the next morning, same thing, pre-race breakfast, two hours out, let's eat something that sits well with us, probably about 75 grams of carbs. So like a banana and a bagel would get that done or a bagel and a sports drink. Um, and then for the race, let's make sure that we're practicing with the exact same fuel that we will take for the marathon. Let's take it at 30 minutes and 60 minutes. And then if we're racing, gut it to the end. If we're not racing, if we're literally just out there, maybe even doing some marathon pace miles and a half marathon, let's fuel it exactly like we would our marathon. So every 30 minutes taking whatever it is. Um, and then any type of fluid that we think we need with it. So it can be a phenomenal way to practice night before before race nutrition and then during race nutrition. So those are kind of the three things we would want to, to work on. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Mac, for submitting your question. Thank you, Megan, as always. And if somebody wants to submit a question, how would they do that, Megan? They can go to the Anchor app and send us an audio file, or they can email us at fuelforthesoulpodcast at gmail.com. While we love both ways, I think we really prefer the audio message. Yeah, we want to hear your voice. Well, thanks for joining us. I learned a lot. Me too. All right. See y'all in two weeks. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. Bye. Bye, feathers. Bye.